Why, hello! Welcome to the Disney Park Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Emma Albertson, and this is episode number 29. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the planning process that I used when putting together my honeymoon last September for Walt Disney World Resort. Disney World can be really overwhelming for a lot of people and if you want to make sure you have the best trip possible and make the most of your time and can do the most things, planning is really important and a lot of people just don't realize that. For that reason, I'm trying to give you a straightforward way to roughly plan out your trip in the most efficient way. It worked for us, we had an incredible trip And so hopefully it will help you and work for you as well. So without any further ado, here we go. So the very first thing that I did and that I do recommend, especially if you do have some flexibility with when you are going. I know some people don't because it has to match up with school holidays or work time off. But if you can, I definitely recommend checking a crowd calendar. So you can find crowd calendars online. Just go on Google and do a search. There's a few different sites that will come up. You can compare them if you want just so you get an idea of what the crowds will be like when you want to go and you can plan accordingly. Because for example, imagine you want to go in March and you're not sure when, you can go on the crowd calendar and you can see what events are programmed for March. So you might want to avoid going if there's a Run Disney event that weekend or if there's a convention or a dance competition. It will kind of give you an idea of how many people will be there at that time of year. This is beneficial because it will let you know what to expect when you're going and that will help you plan the rest of your trip. Because if you know it's going to be busy, you need to maybe chill out on how many things you've got on your itinerary. But if it's going to be moderate or less people, you can maybe be a bit more ambitious with your plans. Next up, it's time to distribute your budget. So most of us already have a budget in mind before we even start to look at our Disney trip because of course it's important. But this is the point where you need to kind of divide up your budget into what you want to spend on each portion. You've got accommodation you need to cover, tickets you want to cover, food you want to cover and other experiences to cover. Every family and every trip is different. It depends on your priorities. And this is where you need to get those straight. Some people, it's super important to them to get as much time in the parks as possible. This means you're going to want to distribute a chunk of your budget towards park tickets, maybe park hoppers, multiple days in the parks. So therefore you're going to want to put less money into your accommodation. So perhaps you're going to get a budget resort or maybe you'll stay off site to save that money. Other people, The resort is really important to them. It's part of their holiday. They want to have a deluxe resort because they want those extra amenities. They want to have lots of pool time. They want those extra magic touches. And that's fine. That also means that you need to take that into consideration when dividing up your budget. You need to put a lot of your budget into the hotel and maybe you can save money by having a couple days less in the parks or maybe you can decide you're going to order some groceries and make your own meals a couple of days. 
Speaking of food, another important thing at this stage is to decide whether your budget is going to allow you to have a Disney dining plan or if you don't think it's beneficial for you. The Disney dining plan can definitely be amazing, especially if you get it as part of an offer, they do free dining. But sometimes it's really not worth it. If you're going to be eating at a lot of the table service restaurants or the character meals or those deluxe dining experiences, it could be worth it. But if you're planning on doing quick service most of the time, grabbing a few snacks here and there, it probably doesn't add up. If you're going to do the Disney dining plan and it's going to be a big chunk of your budget, make sure you crunch those numbers to see if it's really worth it or not. Because a lot of people, they get it because they want that all-inclusive feel, but they end up with a bunch of leftover credits at the end and are buying, you know, Mickey Mouse marshmallows and Rice Krispies treats that they just didn't really need. And they don't add up to the value of those credits. Now that you've done your budget division and you're kind of aware of how much money you want to spend on each area of your trip, it's time to look into those areas. You first of all want to focus on your accommodation. You might be thinking, shall I stay on site or off site? Now Disney on site does have a lot of advantages. You've got Disney theming in your rooms. You don't have to leave the Disney bubble. You've got Disney transportation 24 seven basically. You've got perks, you can have stuff sent back to your room. You've got Disney themed entertainment and dining. It also means that if you've got a dining plan, everything you eat in your hotel as well is probably most likely covered. Staying off site, it probably will save you some money. It means that you can get out of the Disney bubble if that appeals to you. You might be able to get some resorts that you are a member of, for example, like maybe you've got a Hilton membership. And also, sometimes these off-site hotels do have shuttle services. They might not be as frequent, but that is an option. So you don't always have to think, well, if I'm off-site, I can't get to the park, because that's not always the case. You also need to think about what amenities are important to you. Do you need a swimming pool, for example? Is the food in the resort important to you or are you probably not going to be eating there? Do you need your breakfast to be included in your package? And so on. Park tickets wise, this is also a nice way for you to figure out the layout of your trip and how you're going to divide up your days and what activities you're doing. Park tickets wise, the biggest decision is are you going to get a park hopper or are you going to do individual park day tickets? Of course, one park a day tickets are cheaper and if you want to save a bit of money, that's a good way to do it. But if park hopping is high on your agenda, then you're gonna to have to fork out the extra money for the hoppers. And that's a decision you're gonna to need to make with your family. I personally did not get a park hopper because I didn't think it was necessary. I just wanted to have one full day in each of the parks, I could really experience them to the max and not waste time hopping between them. But people that have been there multiple times might want to hop because there's certain things they like to do and certain times of day when they like to do them. Next up on the list is making a rough layout of which park you want to go to on each day of your trip. Now, how do you do this, you might ask. Well, some people have their own personal preferences. Some people might think that they just have to go to Magic Kingdom first, or some people like to end their trip on Magic Kingdom. 
But what I would suggest and what we did that worked really well is we again used a crowd calendar. Now crowd calendars are really useful because not only do they give you an indication of how crowded each park will be, there's also other important information on there that can be really useful. First of all, open hours. The parks can vary from day to day and from park to park of the times they open and the times they close. So if you really want to maximize the hours that you have exploring the parks, you're going to want to make sure that you pick the park that's got the longest hours for the days that you're visiting. Next up, you want to focus on events. Magic Kingdom has a few ticketed events over the year. For example, the Christmas party and the Halloween party. If you don't have a ticket for these ticketed events, if you go into the Magic Kingdom for your day, you'll be thrown out by five or six and you've only got three quarters of your day and you paid for a ticket of a full day. So you're wasting time and you're missing out on entertainment in the night that you would have had if you'd gone on a different day. Lastly, you're going to want to look at extra magic hours. Could be because you are able to use magic hours and so you want to make the most of them, but if you're not able to use magic hours or you don't want to, you're probably going to want to avoid these parks on those days because the chances are they're going to attract bigger crowds because there's more time you can spend in the parks. Using these tools, you'll be able to put the ideal park for each day of your trip, being able to maximize the things you can do and also making the most out of your time. Doing this rough layout as well will make it easier to do the next part of the planning process, and that is organizing your dining reservations and your FastPass Plus reservations. Depending on what hotel you book, it depends what window you have to make these dining and FastPass reservations. It could be 120 days, 60 days, or 30 days. But I'm not exaggerating, as soon as your window opens up, be ready for action to make those reservations. I am not ashamed to say that I set my alarm on those days to make sure I was up and on my phone ready to get those reservations. Dining reservation wise, make sure you have in mind that you may not be able to get exactly what you want and when you want it. That's why it's important to have a second choice. It's better to be able to get your second choice than to have nothing at all. Also, I recommend searching for times that are a bit more off peak. A lot of people have their lunch around 12 or one. A lot of people have dinner around five or six. If you try going outside of those time periods, maybe a bit earlier or a bit later, you're probably improving your probability of getting a reservation at those more sought after locations. Also, just so you know, don't be disappointed if you can't get that reservation immediately. If you keep checking after a few days, all the way up until your trip, you may just luck out and get a better time or a slot in a restaurant you really wanted to. For me, for example, I didn't get a couple of the reservations that I wanted until a few weeks before my trip. I just kept refreshing until I eventually got a time slot. And then I kept refreshing again until I got a time slot that was closer to the time that I originally wanted. You'd be surprised how many people cancel their reservations. So make sure you're ready and checking so you can swoop in there and grab them. Now, FastPass is even more tough. It's super competitive and they just 
disappear ASAP. For example, flight of passage. <laughs> there are some fast passes that you might just have to accept that you might not be able to get. And so you must plan that you want extra time to line up for those. For fast passes, you're probably not going to be able to get them to all line up and you might not be able to get them for the times you want, but be flexible. It's better to have a fast pass at 6 p.m. than have to waste another two hours at another point in your day lining up for it. And as I said, you can keep checking and refreshing as you get closer to your trip. You may just be able to move that fast pass earlier or later, however you need it to be. I think a very important thing to do at this stage as well is to prioritize what you really want to do in each of the parks. Walt Disney World is so big. There are so many attractions, shows, entertainment, restaurants, that it would just be unrealistic to expect to be able to do it all. Instead of being disappointed, me and my husband came up with a really good idea. We took five things we must do in each of the parks and made them our priorities. So for example, Animal Kingdom Day, we had to do Flight of Passage. We didn't have a fast pass, so we knew in our mind we have to schedule out a chunk of time to line up and go on that. We wanted to do Navi River Journey, the Kilimanjaro Safaris, Mount Everest and Dinosaur. Those were the five things we really wanted to do. So we made those our priority. Now, once we got those out of the way, anything else that we managed to do was a huge bonus. And that's the mindset you need to have. Find out what you really, really have to do. Focus on getting that done. And then once it's done, anything else just feels amazing. Now that you've got the reservations down to so the dining and fast pass, it's time to make a kind of touring plan that's logical, that lines up with these reservations that you have to make your day more efficient and to save you wasting time walking backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. This may even be something you want to look at before you make your reservation so you can perhaps go from left to right or start on one side of the World Showcase and make your way round, whatever works for you but it's important that you have a rough idea of where you're going to be going and when. Now, of course, this needs to have some flexibility to it because things happen. Maybe someone gets tired or you have to stop for extra snacks because someone's hungry. Maybe the weather means that you can't do what you wanted to do. A ride has got a longer wait time than you anticipated. A ride breaks down. But you just need to have a rough layout so you can think, well, I want to achieve all of this in the day and this is the best way that I can do this. So an idea of this might be you have a day in Hollywood Studios, you've got a fast pass for Aerosmith, you start at that end of the park, you maybe line up for Tower of Terror, you head down, look in some of the shops, then later on you know you've got a fast pass for Toy Story Land, so you wait and you do all of Toy Story Land in that time period around that fast pass. Just so things seem more logical and you're not always going backwards and forwards and thinking, oh well, we have a fast pass here, but I wanna do this and we haven't got time just to save you that stress. And it's always good to kind of have a rough idea so everybody's on the same page. I know that for us on our trip, this was so useful for us. We kind of planned our fast passes around it as well to make sure we were always in the right place at the right time and not too far away from any dining reservations in case something overran. 
and it just made the holiday run a little bit more smoothly. Now here's just a few planning tips that we found useful and I want to pass on. First up, be mindful of your family or your couple's typical routine and personality. For example, if you are not early birds, don't be scheduling in rope dropping every day and early mornings. It's just gonna make you unhappy and tired and grumpy. And that's not gonna make your holiday fun. Same goes if you're not night people. If you like to go to bed early or you've got children who go to bed early, don't make them stay up late every night. It's just not worth it. Next up, if you couldn't get a FastPass Plus for something you really, really wanted and you don't want to wait the long, long lines, then I'm afraid this is the time where you have to do rope drop. Get there early and make a beeline for that attraction first thing in the morning and that's the most likely chance you'll get to ride it without a super crazy line. Next up, it's Florida, so be prepared for weather. Weather in Florida is notoriously bad. It can be super hot, humid, it can also rain, thunderstorms, you name it. So make sure you have an umbrella or a poncho, perhaps a change of clothes if you know you sweat a lot or if you know you're going to be getting wet because it's going to be raining. There's nothing worse than being uncomfortable and not having the means to fix it or make it better. Another important thing is to figure out how to get from the airport to the parks. If you're staying in a Disney-owned resort, you can just take the Magical Express, problem solved. But if you're not, if you're staying off-site or maybe you don't want to take the Magical Express, having this sorted out beforehand is going to put your mind at rest and make things run more smoothly. Whether you want to take an Uber, which you can do, we did that, or you can also have a shuttle organized for you. Some hotels do have shuttles that are paying. You just need to make sure that you organize the time and have it all scheduled so everything runs smoothly and you're not stressed out. Always keep the My Disney Experience app handy. This is such a good tip. The My Disney Experience has everything you need to know on it. Rides that are closed, show times, wait times, the FastPass apps you can constantly be looking and changing and upgrading and changing times. Just keep it on you. It will make your trip so much easier to manage. And finally, this will be learned the hard way. If you want to see parades and you want to see the nighttime shows and they're really important to you, make sure you schedule in plenty of time to scope out a good spot. Now, in Disneyland Paris and Disneyland Tokyo, it wasn't quite as intense as in Florida crowd-wise, I would say. So in Florida, I really misjudged how much time I would need to wait beforehand in order to be able to see the Happily Ever After show. So if that's important to you, take at least half an hour to an hour to go find a good spot and just sit and rest and wait, or at least do it with someone in your family and you can take turns holding your spot. I hope you enjoyed hearing some of these planning process and tips. They definitely helped us have the most wonderful trip. I'm actually going to do a podcast very soon talking about our trip as it's coming up to the year anniversary of us going. But it did go wonderfully and so I can only hope that my 
planning process has something to do with that. Now for my Disney fact of the day. Did you know that supposedly it would take 68 years to spend a night in every single room at the Walt Disney World Resort property? They have so many hotels and resorts and they keep adding to their portfolio. brings episode 29 to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to get in contact, you can feel free to write into disneyparkwanderer at gmail.com or you can leave a voice note via Anchor. If you like what you heard, please leave me a review. It would mean so much to me to get some feedback. I will be back next Monday with more Disney Park content. I hope you have a wonderful week and until next time... Stay curious.